Welcome to the Unafraid Podcast, hosted by the OKC First Podcast feed. My name is Zach Lucero, and I am the youth and creative pastor here at OKC First. Sitting across from me, as always, is the connoisseur of dad jokes, senior pastor, John Mittendorf. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, young Zachary. Good oh, to thank see you. you. Thank you, old John. And mm-hmm. today we're joined by Jordan Hepler. Who Please is... don't call me old Jordan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could do that to a guest. Nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, but Jordan is a licensed professional counselor and uh, an Enneagram guru. I don't know. We haven't landed on quite the Enneagram title for you yet, but hello, Jordan. Hi. It's good to see you guys. It's good to see good you to see too, you buddy. It's good to be here. Jordan, what, what do you have there in your hand? Oh, you know, just a delicious. That's our cue for an ad read. Man, Jordan, that looks like a delicious coffee drink. No doubt you got that from Sincerely Coffee. Sincerely Coffee with our great friend Ian Fleming. Uh, this is what we call an ad read now. Whether at home, work, or cafe, there is nothing like connecting with someone over a cup of coffee. At Sincerely Coffee, these connections are what have brought us together to create a company that strives to love people, to love our planet, make excellent coffee, and tell a story. Yep, this podcast is brought to you today by Sincerely Coffee. We're, we're very grateful for Ian's life and now his work with this little coffee business. Uh, he's going to do some great and redemptive and restorative things with this coffee business. And if you would like to be a part of that, or if you'd like to have some really good coffee, email Ian at SincerelyCoffeeRoasters.com. That's SincerelyCoffeeRoasters.com at gmail.com. So if you would like to be a part of what Ian is doing with Sincerely Coffee, just email Ian at SincerelyCoffeeRoasters at gmail.com. That's SincerelyCoffeeRoasters at gmail.com. Or Ian's website will be up no sooner than June the 3rd, but it will be up on the 3rd, and that web address is Sincerely.coffee. So thanks, Ian, for helping us out with coffee and for sponsoring today's podcast. Yeah, that's uh, One of my favorite people... Here in the studio with us today. Uh, there's all kinds of things to like about Jordan Hepler, all kinds of things. One of those things is that she has really helped me, she's really helped our class, and this summer will help our church to think through this incredible Enneagram thing. And so welcome and thank you for everything that you have done. But but the way you do it is just as important. You, you smile and you do, you laugh through the whole thing, and it's really good, it's really helpful. Um, I have a quick question. Man, the, it's so confusing out there. You've got the Enneagram. Um, you've got um, a Candygram, right? You've got <laughs> Pentagram, and you've got Lindsaygram. How do you keep it all straight? <laughs> I'm not messing with very many grams. Uh, I'll say that. Um, but Ennea is simply nine in Greek. Okay. Um, and then gram is picture. So nine wow. picture. So the symbol is an enneagram because it's got nine points on the enneagram and right. nine types. And as I understand it, this is an this is an ancient. This is not a new thing. This right. is this is old and ancient. Can you tell us a little bit about its age and and where where it's kind of come from? That is a great question and one that I do not study as much as okay, I study the rest okay. of it. I do know it's it comes from like Eastern culture and it's been around for centuries. Right. Um, and it's been kind of, I guess it was led by two or three kind of gurus who passed it down through oral tradition. And then it was brought to America somehow in the 70s. Um, 
as I'll talk about later, I'm definitely a type four, and so if there's not a feeling attached, I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> you need to ask my five husband because okay. I've been trained on that part. That's just not the part that stuck. Okay. So I got you. And yeah. speaking of the numbers, let's. I think that's a good time for maybe us to share what our numbers are, but then for Jordan to give us. I, I said brief description on our outline, but it, uh, you said that you're going to do motivations or yes, uh, basic desire and basic fear, just because okay. there's so much information. Sure. I'm afraid if I do anything else, I'll leave it out or okay. something can we can we stop even back up a little bit the enneagram is probably in a category with other would you say like personality inventories or like the the strengths with the gallup organization like what are we talking about when we are talking about the enneagram yeah um that's a really good question because it kind of gets lumped into a lot of different things that are very different right. so um the enneagram simply put is a tool for transformation so it's kind of put in the category as personality tests, but that's less what it's about. Um, it's more about trying to get you to like your core self, your higher self. It's it's a tool for recognizing how can I be a healthier, more evolved version of me? Mm. Um, whereas other personality tests are either telling you, like for Myers-Briggs, it's telling you about your preferences and how you kind of organize information or social interaction. Um, StrengthsFinder is primarily... Um, identifying how people work together in groups with certain types of strengths. Um, I don't know much about like a color test, but there's all kinds of like personality things. This one's a little bit different because um, instead of basing it on behavior, it's based on motivation. And so typing and figuring out who you are as your type is a little bit more difficult because no one can decide who you are except you. Yeah, we have for a long time been interested in in this ministry of Mm self-discovery. So for a long time, we've been interested in that. And I think a lot of churches are. I don't think that we're unique. But we don't do spiritual gifts inventories here. We we opt for some uh, other tools like Myers-Briggs we have used in the course of premarital counseling, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The strengths thing we have really gotten into uh, over the years. But I will tell you, as much as I have appreciated uh, the help that we got from using the Gallup Organization Strengths Finders assessment and all of those results, man, this Enneagram thing seems to reach a little farther and a little bit deeper into who we are, so much so that as we have studied it around our staff table, there have been many moments when we have we have told a story of reading through the Enneagram stuff, taking the assessment, looking at the results, and it's it's shocking how we feel found out. Uh-huh. Is that, is that a typical response to the yes. Enneagram stuff? Why is that? Why does it feel like that? Yeah, I mean, because so much of the types, I mean, there's a lot in there about, like, your virtues, your vices, yeah. what your childhood wounds look like, how that shows up in its ugliest form, how that shows up in its best form. And so usually when most people are trying to find their type, they usually find it when they feel the most exposed or kind of the most... Um, anxious about what they just read. I mean, yeah. I remember finding my type and my jaw dropped because I thought, oh, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And two, this is not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, and everyone kind of feels that way. The only type that I've noticed that doesn't really have that, oh no, reaction is fives. They are like, well, I'm pretty great. I'm, s- <laughs> I'm married one of those. So I've got my feelings about fives. But this is true. It's um, so true. We'll get to what we are. But I will tell you that Many times I have messaged Jordan and said, okay, I found this out about me and I don't like it. Help me with this, please, today. (laughs) Danger, mayday, mayday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you use this in your private practice? I do, yeah. How does it function as as an 
in your role as a therapist? Yeah. Um, so usually if, if sometimes my clients will come to me already knowing what it is and they'll mention it. And so that's usually a good point to start. I mean, if they mention it early, I kind of run with it because it's kind of like a shortcut into the heart of what we're talking about. It's less of the, let's talk about everything that happened this week and right. we're getting to the core conflict, the core motivation right. much faster. Um, but for those that don't know about it, I might mention it. Like if I'm hearing themes that I think would be helpful to have a language for, um, I might mention it. And if they come back having looked it up and they're curious, we go for it. If they don't, I might wait a couple months and see if they want to come back to it later. Um, but mm. I found the most profound impact is with couples because okay. I think um, most of us, we kind of – think, well, if everyone just thought the way I do, we'd be in good shape. But because... Amen. Right? <laughs> but really, that's just not the reality. I mean, I remember telling my husband early on, I'm such a feeler. And I remember telling him, you just feel. And this is all going to... We're just going to figure it out. You'll get healed. It's just like, you just be like me. And... Problem solved. No, that is not... I learned through the Enneagram, he will never see the world the way I do. Never, ever. And yeah. in some ways, I feel like that has saved us probably years of heartache in learning oh, this. Wow. And so if you can figure out, like, what are your types as a couple and how do you approach conflict differently? How do you approach situations differently? How are you approaching downtime differently? I yeah. mean, it's all so incredible. I mean, you yeah. really could go forever with it. You and Herschel make a great team. Because <laughs> you can <laughs> see <do>. the <laughs> contrast between the two personalities and the, oh, two, yeah. the two people but you still make a great team. Yeah. It's, it's really fun to be around you guys. Okay, now what's the best way to do this? I mean, to... Like we're just going to go one through nine and... Or what, is there a specific order that these are supposed to be in? Or is it... I, I think that's a good question to start with. One time I started with twos. And because that's in the feeling triad, Amen. they felt so exposed and heartbroken. Oh, I no, taught I, myself I will never start with feelers again. As a two, I, I I actually take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yes. See, I'm in the I'm in the feeling triad. I get I that. Love, I love I so, love the feels. <laughs> I always start with eights because eights are com more comfortable probably than feelers with hearing some of this stuff about themselves. They can kind of take it. The feeling types get to watch, okay, how did that go? Now it's our turn. And then they okay. get to finish watching the yeah. anxious types hear about yeah. themselves. So. so is that what you're going to do? You're going to start with eights? Yeah, I'll start with eights. Okay. Um, I'm an eight. Help me with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so before I go into these types, I'll just say really quick, there are three different triads in the Enneagram. There is your your um, your body type or your gut type. So their intelligence center kind of focuses on anger. Um, and all of this is unconscious, by the way. So then your feeling types, um, the intelligence center is based in shame. And the head types, it's based in anxiety. And so mm. we'll start with eights and then we'll go all the way around. Okay. 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 Sorry, I feel like I'm going to hiccup or something. No, nope. well, actually, we keep all that in. Tamara belched right into the... Couldn't even hear it. It's but... unbelievable, but we kept it in. Didn't stop her anxiety. See, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep it in. We okay. keep it loose. We keep it loose. Yeah, mm -hmm. all good. Okay. Okay, so starting with eights. Okay. Eights, um, and I usually talk about types with their numbers just because I feel like... I'll talk about the labels right now if for those that are listening that haven't heard these types before, but generally I use ones because, I mean, use numbers because they're not as judgmental as some right. of the language of the labels might be. Right. Um, so, but I'll do it now, but then I'll probably just reference it through numbers after that. But so eights are known as the challengers by some authors. They're called the boss, um, but their basic desire is to protect oneself 
And their basic fear is um, being harmed or controlled by other people. So a lot of times um, they've got this boldness. They have this justice-oriented mindset, often fighting for the underdog. Um, And we'll kind of expand on these as we go, but I'm just going to do the basics. So then type nine is our peacemaker. Some authors call them the mediator. Their basic desire is to be at peace or to not be separated from others. Their basic fear is loss of connection or separation. Nines are really good at seeing all the sides of every story. They can, they're really good um, at understanding everyone's point of view. And sometimes that can be um, kind of a place where they might have a hiccup and kind of get stuck in being able to see everyone's view but not their own. So. Mm. And then the last one in the anger triad is type one or the reformer. Some authors call this the perfectionist. Their basic desire is to be good, to have integrity or goodness. And their basic fear is that they're evil, defective or lazy. Um, They have a severe inner critic. And so they constantly hold themselves above reproach. And they have these really high standards for themselves. And if they miss the mark, they feel really upset with themselves and they kind of um, judge the world on that same kind of standard. And so sometimes it makes relationships really challenging um, because they think, why doesn't everyone care about being good like I do? (laughs) Um, Which if everyone was like a one, that would definitely have some benefits for sure. But so because these three are in the anger triad, eights deal with their anger by channeling it outward, by showing other people you can't control me. Nines deal with their anger by not dealing with their anger. They repress Mm. it. They don't deal with it. Um, And ones deal with their anger by turning it in on themselves um, or kind of measuring the world in good and evil, black and white. Do I fit the standard or not? Okay, so we have the nine different types. Mm-hmm. Those nine types are divided into three triads. So each triad has has three. Mm-hmm. And to sum up what you're saying about um, eight, nine, and one, mm-hmm. as they are in the anger triad, that they're they're sort of okay. What do we mean when we say that they're kind of their basic? What what did you call that? Your underlying feeling was rage. That's subconscious. Uh-huh. But so much of who they are, mm-hmm. these three groups or the eights, the nines, and the ones, that sort of emanates from that rage. Mm-hmm. Can eights, nines, and ones be Christian? Yes, of course <laughs> okay. they can. Oh, good. Of okay. course they can, yes. Let's keep I recording. Mean, Crisis averted. Okay, good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, each type has their challenge in what makes being Christian difficult. And okay. so, of course, we're going to feel like our type is having the hardest time with being Christian because being Christian is just hard. It is um, Yeah, so it really varies based on... I mean, it really varies based on so many things like your childhood experience, your family baggage, whether or not you have trauma, whether or not you have mental illness. I mean, Mm. all of we carry all of this with us all the time. Um, And so it just makes it so fun. And the thing I really like about the Enneagram, Jordan, that that I again, I don't feel like we get as much with some of the other Mm -hmm. tools for assessment and inventory. The Enneagram marks out a path by which I can get stronger, healthier, mm-hmm. more well-rounded. Is yeah. that is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of does that by helping you see your wake-up caller when you're kind of sliding off of your yeah. path. Yeah. Um, so we know we typically can identify who we are by what we're not good at because we're mostly looking, <laughs> we're criticizing ourselves and trying to find where am I not doing well. And so that is usually the signal. Okay, here here are the practices that can get me back on course. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move on to y'all's triad. The feelers. <laughs> it's time to feel. Yes. 
Um, yeah, no, I have a tank top that says I have a feeling with the Enneagram oh on it, gosh. and it says Type 4 on it. I love it. It's love my nerdy. I'm surprised you didn't wear it today. I know. I wear it when I teach about fours, but I didn't today. Um, so fours, their intelligence center is based in shame. So everything that they do is based out of this feeling of I'm not good enough. They're the most image conscious, hmm. um, and so they deal with that in very different ways. So Type 2 is our helper. Sometimes they're called the giver. Um, They have a need to be needed, a need to be loved. And we all have a need to be loved, but theirs is the, they get their identity from giving and the ways that they give kind of give them a sense of worth. Um, Like if I give to you, that means I'm a good person because I gave you that. Um, So their basic fear is being worthy or unloved. So if people don't need me anymore, how am I going to get love? How am I going to find, it's it's really scary to not give because we don't know what that looks like. Mm. (laughs) So, Type threes are achievers. Um, Sometimes they're called the performer. Um, Their basic desire is to be valuable or to be successful. Um, A lot of these types, they struggle with having a sense of who they are without doing. They have to do to feel like they're making it. And so their basic fear is worthlessness. These are your people who are, you know, 4.0 students, like valedictorians, and they don't know who they would be without these accomplishments. Um, It's really a struggle. Type wow. four, the individualist. I saw something on any on the uh, on the enneagram. No, on Instagram um, that called type Different four. Grams. Yeah, so confusing. <laughs> all the grams. So many grams. <laughs> um, but type four, they called type four meaning makers, and I feel like that's the most helpful description of a type four. I feel like type fours and type eights, we just get a bad rap, and so <laughs> I like the meaning maker. I feel like that. But um, so the basic desire of the four is to be oneself, to be authentic um, and to be known for who they are in a deep way. And their basic fear is having no identity or significance. So what this looks like, fours are trying to find how am I different from the rest of the pack? How am I how am I special? Because if I'm special, I'm not replaceable. And if I'm not replaceable, you're not going to leave me. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out of this shame of I'm not good enough to be loved. And so I think that fear, I understand it as that I don't belong anywhere. And so fours really struggle with wanting to belong and not wanting to belong at the same time. It's just so fun to be a four. So (laughs) if you're a four, just come talk to me. We'll go get coffee or something. (laughs) Now, I've noticed around, again, around our staff table, we have lots of twos. Zach, you're a two. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm a yeah. two. Uh, Kaylee's a two. Lisa, Jason. Jason. So we have several. It's a pack mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about wings later, uh, but there's a lot of what you just said about fours that also sound like a lot of people around our table. And that, that might be, right? They, yeah. they may have some elements of this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, Twos and four are connected, too, by arrows, which is a whole other layer of the... Enneagram. Yeah. Four, four is where a two goes in health. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when twos are healthy, they move toward four. They kind of look like healthy fours. And when, like we're, fours. and when twos are in stress, we move towards eights. Eights. So. Mm-hmm. They take right. on negative so, traits of eights. Oh, well, thanks. Just not to muddy the waters or anything or yeah. make it more confusing. <laughs> but yeah. to that point, though, yeah. uh, we're going to spend the summer with you mm-hmm. on Wednesday nights. Yeah. And so we hope to have much more in-depth conversation about this. So part of the reason we wanted to get this podcast recorded with Jordan uh, here at the beginning of the summer was to give some sort of a uh, an advertisement, I guess, to the mm-hmm. church and to anybody that can make it here for these Wednesday night classes with mm-hmm. Jordan. Wednesday night's here at 6.30 mm-hmm. um, so that we can get further into the weeds here because mm-hmm. I, what I what I can tell you is the deeper I get into this, the more help there is for me. Oh, for sure. 
right? There's yeah. there's just more resource for me. All right, mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to No, you're totally good. There. So that wraps up the feeling triad. So next we're going on to the head triad, sometimes called the thinking triad, and their intelligence center is based in um, anxiety. It's a lot of different um, books and things talk about fear, but it's more of an anxiety rather than fear there's a bear that's going to kill me. Fear is a healthy thing because it's a signal that something's wrong, but this is more of an anxiety. Um, it's more psychological yeah. in nature. So, okay, so we'll start with type five, known as the investigator or the observer. Their basic desire is to be competent or achieve mastery. Um, so they manage their anxiety by kind of pulling back and observing. And then once they feel like they know enough about whatever Um, However, the room works, that's when they feel like they're comfortable to engage. Um, Their basic fear is helplessness or incompetence, but I'll also tell you that fives fear to death that you are going to deplete their resources, their time, their energy, anything like that. They... They do not want to give anything away that they did not give away by choice. You speak with great authority on these fives. <laughs> mm, it's It's been a journey. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going <laughs> to... Herschel, uh, Herschel, Jordan's very cool husband, is a five. So if, she, if it feels like it's personal, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's how it's important is because I'm such a feeling type and his need to pull back... I always took personally until I learned about how he sees the world. Yeah. I thought, oh, you're rejecting me. That's fun. Yeah. Until I learned, <laughs> oh, he's rejecting everybody. It's not just me. And that made me feel better. So That's his way of taking a deep breath. Yes. Yeah. And it's not about anyone that's around. He just needs to be alone. Yeah. He needs to recharge. So yeah. um, our type six is our loyalist. Um, their basic desire is to be secure, to have guidance. And so what this means is they find comfort in either an idea, an authority. Um, they're usually really drawn to or really repelled by authority. Um, and Or they find comfort in groups or in, re- in a certain type of religion, an idea system, um, with a parent, with you know a mentor, something like that. They feel like without that, they kind of feel like they're not safe or floating away. And their basic fear is being without support, um, which is another way to say abandonment. It just looks a little bit different in sixes than it does in fours. Yeah. It's more heady and thoughtful than emotional and... Brooding. Our mutual friend Tamara is a six. Yes, yeah. she's a really healthy six. Okay, good. Yeah, she's wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then last but not least, um, the enthusiast, which is type seven. Um, their basic desire is to be happy and satisfied. These are your life of the parties. Um, great, amazing storytellers, usually really generous. Um, and their basic fear is um, to be trapped or deprived in pain. So if there's a sense that they're going to be bored or stuck, they are like, no, I'm going to start a game or let's go somewhere else. Or that's just kind of how they. I have some sevens in my life. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun I may times. have one in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when because they're in the anxiety triad, that's how they deal with anxiety is by running from it. So by having fun. It, they fun it away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I won't say who, but my youngest son may be a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be really fun. Yeah. Never a dull moment with sevens. No. For so. sure. Yeah. Okay, so that is the third triad. And just, we did. I mentioned wings before because yeah. I, I do feel like every once in a while I can say, oh, yeah, I'm this. But there mm-hmm. are elements mm-hmm. within another, but that's sort of the wing phenomenon. So tell us a little bit about 
wings and how yeah. they work. So the Enneagram is in the shape of a circle. So whichever number you are, your wing is going to be a number that's adjacent to you on one side or the other. Okay. So um, for example, I'm a four, so my wing would be either a three or a five. Okay. Um, you'll have, just like you'll have a dominant type on the Enneagram, you'll also have a dominant wing. Um, so my three wing is extremely dominant. I And threes and fours are conflicting types, so that's fun in its own way um but then the more i evolve and the healthier i get my five wing starts to develop too and so the goal is to develop both because if you have both wings developed you're going to be a more balanced human being so nines and sevens balance each other out for eight threes and ones balance each other out for twos things like that so having a wing will mean that i i look i will have some of the attributes of the nine and the seven Mm-hmm. And what I need to do is try to develop those equally. That all contributes to my being a more healthy eight. And one will probably be your natural, like the one that you do naturally. So okay. you'll be dominant in a type, and then you'll have a wing that's dominant. And then to balance it out, you'll work on developing that other wing. Gotcha. Um, do you have a question, Zach? No, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm fascinated. Um, we, we keep saying working on. Yes. How, what does that look like? What is working on, let's say, so if we're talking about my situation, if I'm an eight, mm-hmm. what, is, what does it look like for me to work on, I guess, being an eight or working to beef up my wing seven? Yeah. So being an eight, um, eights are usually ready, fire, aim. They usually mm-hmm. are like, they have the most energy on the Enneagram out of all the types. They go, 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 go. Because you have a nine wing, that's going to conflict with your eight wing. Nines have the least amount of energy. Eights have the most. Okay. And so you're kind of dealing with this, I want to, but I don't want to. Like it, okay. So that's constantly already there. So in a way, that's kind of balancing itself out. So that work might look like, okay, what does control look like? What does restraint look like? Okay. Why am I restraining myself in certain situations? How am I restraining? Am I silencing myself? Or am I making my peace known, but in a way that's receivable from other people? Okay. Is that making sense? Kind it of? is. So the work that I would... So when you say work, uh, what you're talking about is a conversation that I, I need to be willing to have about mm-hmm. why I'm doing or why I'm feeling mm-hmm. what I'm feeling or doing or saying, right? Yeah. Like, and it's, I, I say work and it's capital W because it's not easy. Like right. I'm talking whether that looks like therapy, spiritual practices or disciplines, um, introspective work, you know, meetings with friends where you might have deep conversations about what this looks like and how that shows up. Um, it can really look different for every type. I mean, to muddy the waters again. <laughs> so eights are feeling repressed. Um, and so one of the ways that they can grow to greater health is to become more in touch with their emotions. Twos are uh, thinking repressed. So rather than feeling and doing, because you've already got feeling and doing down, Mm -hmm. pulling back into, okay, how am I thinking about this process is going to be a way that you grow. Interesting. Interesting. So to explore how Zach, because Zach and I do make a a good collaborative team. Yeah. Yeah. But we probably need to think and talk about how. Mm Mm-hmm that happens well what's your wing is are you a three wing i have no clue that was actually i was saving it for the pod i have no clue what my wing is yeah how do i i just need to figure out how to find it out because i'll say i've worked with 
one of my, I have two bosses. One of my bosses is a three and I have a three wing. So we like mentally, even though I'm a four, we get each other because we're pragmatic, we're efficient, we know how to function together. So wings do play a big role. I mean, if you're tapped into that and if, you know, we both feel like we're doing and we're doing together, that feels like a very collaborative effort. Yeah. Um, nines and twos are also positive outlook types so they kind of look for the optimism in situations because your dominant type is an eight you're probably going to start with cynicism and move to optimism because that's kind of it's not true (laughs) (laughs) i've been known to say that from the platform actually yeah yeah oh wow yeah okay so i start with cynicism and move to optimism probably with some work yeah you probably have to coach yourself i was gonna say but i have to bother to yeah no and that's one of my biggest soapboxes with the Enneagram is what this is, these types are your reflexive response. They are your knee-jerk reaction to life. So if you're not paying attention to how you're feeling or how you're doing, this is how you function. And so it's not enough to say, I'm a four, I'm an eight, I'm a two, and call it good. And I read a chapter in a book and, you know, that's that. It's like, okay, that was where we started. Now what do we do with that? Because that looks really messy unless we start figuring some capital S stuff out. Hey, wow. hey, we can beat saying. that out, can't we? Can we? <laughs> that. My goodness. Watch out. The children. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. So how do I figure out, here's one of the questions. I don't know if you wrote that, Zach, or if this was sent in. How do I figure out which, so for me, which is the more dominant wing, the seven or the nine? Is it because other people observe me or is there, is that a part of the assessment or is it just Um, me thinking it through? It's more learning about the, I personally, I think everyone needs to learn about all the types because that is going to give you greater compassion for understanding other people and understanding the perspective that they're coming from but you mostly figure out your wing by studying the types of the wings that you could have so for a long time I didn't know what my wing was and now I'm kind of learning I have a little bit of both but if I'm honest with myself that three wing is so strong I can't deny it so (laughs) and that's something I have to work on because if I'm like why do I feel like I can't sit and rest without feeling like I'm a failure. And it's like, that's my three wing. That's that's what she's doing. So and then I have to work on that. I have to figure out why am I defining myself by what I do yeah. rather than who I am, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So finding out your wing is mostly about studying the types. Okay. Studying the types. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, and then the work again is uh, the hard work that you do to, be to pay attention to yourself and mm-hmm. to what it is that moves you and, yeah. and how it is that you operate and are postured in life yeah. and the willingness to be honest about it all. Mm-hmm. That's the hard. And that's the nature, the beauty of the exposing like, oh gosh, that sick to your stomach feeling when you read about your type. Cause it's like, okay, now you have had a wake up call. So let's figure out what to do with this information. How do we get better? Oh man, that's so gosh. good. And it's going to look different in every season of life in every relationship. It's going to have, I mean, that's the, you know, the power of interpersonal dynamics, it's going to look and show up really differently. So it's funny, I've actually started using Enneagram stuff in the premarital counseling uh, piece. One session in particular, we look at every each of the each of the persons takes the inventory, the Mm -hmm. assessment. And then there's so much study, there's so much research on all this Enneagram stuff, the, the most recent one, one was a six and one was a two. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this, all this information about out there about how sixes and twos interact mm-hmm. and how they affect one another mm-hmm. and 
how to tell when that particular unique relationship between a six and a two is, mm-hmm. is reaching an ugly place, an unhealthy mm-hmm. place. For sure. And what it might look like if it's really healthy and how to get from here to there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just fascinated with all yeah. those resources. Is there, is there a place where people can find that resource? Uh, is that something that we can um, see here? The EnneagramInstitute.com, it'll have like a short paragraph of what it looks like at their best between two types. You just pick the two numbers and what it looks like at their worst. Um, but really, if you both are studying your type, it's going to give you a language to have some of these conversations because you probably more than likely didn't marry your type and your type, the person that is not you is going to help you see things you're not seeing. So, um, so yeah. So utilizing are there there types that are like that interact the best and types that are not, not so much the best. Is there, this is a question I get a lot. Um, it has so much more to do with help and how much work you've done on yourself than it has to do with your number. Um, Because I'll say, I mean, just being perfectly candid, I know a number, at each number, I know a person that I like and a person that I struggle with on every single point of the Enneagram. In the room? In the room? No. (laughs) Blink twice. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) No, but so it can look really different. I mean, I think certain types are drawn to each other more than others. um, And some types might repel each other more than others. But sometimes that's because you're seeing things in the other person that is you that you don't like. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's because it reminds you of mom or dad or whoever. I mean, there's oh, just, for sure. there's so much meat in here. Can you just find it all? It's so exciting. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is why she's so good at this because she is so fascinated with it. <laughs> I love and it, it. And it helps us to be fascinated. Let's, let's say that, yes, though this is the first time on this podcast this is the first time i have ever heard anything about this enneagram thing i'm already looking up how to spell it which is actually e n n e a g r a m how does one start this journey like mm-hmm. what's the how would you recommend someone just dip in their feet into this pool and then get deeper if you are lo- if like you're hearing about it for the first time right now go to enneagraminstitute.com and I think there's a link that says learn about the types and just start browsing. And then from there, the road back to you is a really good primer, um, a really good intro to the nine different types. Is that a book or is that a podcast? It's a book and a podcast. Okay, the road Um, back to you. Yeah, it's by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Um, That's a really good introduction. um, But if you're really doing your work and you're evolving as a person, it's not where you stop. So you just keep you keep going. Okay. Therapy also helps. I'm a big proponent of therapy. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would imagine. Yes. <laughs> is there an assessment that you like better than, like there is one on the yeah. EnneagramInstitute.com mm-hmm. page. Do you like that assessment? That's my favorite one. That's okay. That one is empirically validated. It's $12. Right. Or you can get the app that's, I think it's $8 or $6. And the app is nice because you can take it as many times on your phone as you want. It doesn't save the information. But it doesn't give you like the detail that the twelve dollar one is going to give For you. Sure. So, um, but also uh, the inventories are only eighty percent accurate at best, and so you want to hold whatever type you get loosely because it's still identifying you by what you notice about your own behavior. So, okay. if you get you know your top three types, read about those top three and see if one is extra exposing, and if it is, that's probably the one that you are. So. Oh, so the more I feel found out, yeah, the more likely that's I've stumbled onto the one, yeah, or which, yeah, whichever one that might be. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that, like when, like oh, when yeah, you, for sure, two, 
when I read when I read the description of a two, and, and and more specifically, probably like the fears of a two, I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. who's reading my diary? Yeah, I don't I don't write a diary. <laughs> I remember thinking, wait, there's more of me. Like, yeah. there are others. There's just there's like, a small group of us out there. <laughs> yeah, you feel found out. Yeah, you do. But then you find other people who have the same number, and you can kind of talk through it and talk about it, and you notice you notice what they are doing well and you can kind of model yourself off of that and mm-hmm. you can talk about your fears and, and things like that with people who understand because I could talk about my fears with John but he doesn't understand my fears mm. not not to the core that like Come Jason Smith might or Kaylee might who who is it to yeah because we, we're just motivated by different things right where you might right. welcome a version of rejection because you're like, yeah, that's what I like because I'm challenging things. <laughs> and us feelers are like, wait, why don't you like me? Like, what? I'm really yeah. good, though. Like, deep down. <laughs> Small uh, so, thing feels all the time, man. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah, it's just different. It's just a different orientation. So, okay. Um, I have noticed in some of these assessments uh, that they can be used for evil. Yes, they can. Right? Yes. Let's talk about that for a minute. How, yeah. So even even something that I love and I've found so much rich help in mm-hmm. with the Enneagram, how might it be used uh, for evil? Um, <laughs> well, I was just going to say you can really use it to manipulate others, which is not good. You should not do that. Right. Um, <laughs> but if you understand what people's core fears are and their what their childhood wounds are based in if you use that in any way other than to try and let them know that you support them that is weaponizing so if someone for example like if a four says man i just wish i could be like other people or i wish i could fit in like that because fours always feel like they're on the outside of the looking glass Mm -hmm. um it's not very helpful for someone to say oh that's such a four thing to say well, mm. yeah, and it sucks. So can you support me? Because you, you know, labeling me is not helpful. So anything that's not done out of compassion is a way to weaponize this. I mean, this is created, not created, I guess, discovered um, for you to do your capital W work first. It's not for you to judge people or measure other people on their health. It's for you to figure out where am I stuck? Where do I need to do some work? And then if it can help you understand people compassionately, that's a added bonus, but it right. starts with us. Oh, that's, that's super helpful. Yeah. I, what I don't like about some of these other things uh, is, is that it gives you, seems like it gives you the ammunition to pigeonhole people, A. It can, yes. Right? But then I don't like when, whether it's a spiritual gifts inventory or a strengths thing, mm-hmm. if for some reason you don't score high in an area um, – like yeah. I, I was, what was yours? Uh, empathy or what? Mercy, uh, like mercy. The, like <laughs> mercy is a spiritual gift. When someone takes one of those spiritual gift inventories, and I, and I'm sorry, I just I just don't think that's I don't think that passage of scripture is meant to be weaponized as mm-hmm. a spiritual gifts inventory somehow to tell you what you are, what you aren't. Mm-hmm. In fact, if anything, I think spiritual gifts that's how God resources you when you perhaps wouldn't on your own be up to the task mm-hmm. right so someone who tells me I don't know I don't think I can be merciful I didn't score high on mercy misses the point I think of that passage and yeah. then they will opt out of opportunities to show mercy yeah 
So well, that's what yeah. I like about this. It's not that way. Well, I mean, it can still be, I mean, because I hear that all the time. Like, well, I'm sick, so I'm just anxious, and it's never going to be different. Well, it could be if you tried Do some of work. that work on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that's everybody's personal struggle. And, I mean, it's going to look a little bit different for, I mean, everyone moves at a different pace. I mean, your sixes and your nines, they're going to take things really gradually, really slowly. And eights and threes are going to be like, how is this going to be helpful? What do I need to do? What's my ABC? One, two, three. I want to do it, get it done, and move on when it might help them to slow down. Right. So. Yeah. It, it helps me. I'm I'm married to a, a two. And so she does help regulate my speed, mm-hmm. I think. Not driving so much, but. Opposites but attract. We are, yeah. They really do. <laughs> I think that's true. I yeah, think that's I true. Think, yeah, I think we're drawn to each other. I think one of my beliefs is that we're drawn to people that help us do our unfinished business. And so. I'm drawn to my husband because he's very stable, he's very calm, he's emotionally balanced, he's not easily ruffled, and he's probably drawn to me because I can tap into stuff that he hasn't ever had access to. And the more we're married, the more we're going to be like each other a little bit. And so I think that edification process, that can happen whether you're married or not, but that's why we're drawn to each other is to help each other out. Right, that's beautiful. What is currently your favorite book or resource to help you think through all things Enneagram? My favorite is called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. It's by Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson. It's heady, it's thick, and it takes a long time to read, but it's one of those resources you can keep going back to and continue getting more meat out of it after you kind of understand things at a different level. That's one, my favorite one. That's your favorite, but mm-hmm. you would recommend for people starting out. Mm-hmm. That they do Enneagram Institute, is that a dot com or dot yeah. org? Dot com, dot com, I think. And then the podcast or the book, The Road Back to You. Mm-hmm. And Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, since because they, they did that podcast to promote that book, they both have split off and done their own podcast. So Ian's oh. is called Typology, Suzanne Stabile's is called something. If you Google her name in Enneagram, it'll come up. I don't know what it's called. So they're not doing the, the, the one together anymore? No. Oh, okay. They, I think they're both writing their own books and promoting things separately we can, now. We can include this stuff in the show notes. So okay. You can link, just link to it and you yeah. can find it. Okay. Jordan, we ask everybody uh, at this point in the podcast about hope. We always like to try and end at mm-hmm. least the serious discussion time on hope. And so <laughs> my question is, what what is your hope for those embarking on this journey of self-discovery? Hmm. I think my hope would be that when it feels particularly uncomfortable and difficult, that you don't quit and that you just keep one step at a time moving forward. Um, they call it growing pains for a reason. So part of that work, it's not going to feel good at first. But once you get to the other side, it's going to feel very rewarding. And so my hope is for people to continue being curious because I think honestly self-awareness and um, learning about the self and how people work I think it's a holy practice and it's Mm. I mean it's one of the most Christian things we can do is try and understand why do people do the things that they do and how can we be more compassionate and supportive in those instances empathy yes that is beautiful I was going to ask you and Mm -hmm. you may have uh, have answered this question how has your fascination with and study of the Enneagram impacted your Christianity, your faith? Um, It's helped me find comfort in knowing that 
not all Christianity is going to look the same for this, the types. It's going to look really different. Um, where mine is more of an introspective, finding beauty in ordinary, helping people see good in hard times. Whereas a seven, they're going to find the fun. They're going to find the good, fun, hopeful, bright things about God. Where types like ones and eights, they're going to be justice oriented in ways that I can benefit from, like ways that I need to grow. So I feel like just seeing all the nuances of people has been really helpful um, and encourages me to keep doing my work. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like we talked not too long ago with friends of yours, Ron Wright and Paul Jones, mm-hmm. about summer and, and winter Christianity. And the, the message that came thundering through toward the end is what I'm hearing again today is that faith is a team sport. Yes. Like we, we need one another and we need the, the breadth uh, of a congregation and the diversity within a congregation mm-hmm. in order to be each of us and then all of us who God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Fair? Yeah. You like that? Yeah, I would definitely write agree. That down. Oh, that's good. That's okay. good. <laughs> Noted. You're the guru now. Look at that. There you go. Look at that. And on that note, I think it's time to move on to everyone's favorite segment, Rapid Fire Questions. Oh, geez. What is this? Rapid Fire Questions is, uh, well, well, that's perfect because we haven't prepped you at all for this. Right. <laughs> on purpose. On purpose. Stream of consciousness. Yeah. Any question that comes to our minds, Watch we will out. ask you. Uh, it could be, <laughs> could be normal questions. It could be ridiculous questions. You never right. know. John, right. I think you should start us off this week. Okay, <laughs> musical instrument that you really wish you could play? Piano. Okay. Uh, your favorite song to sing karaoke to? Um, Dirty Pop, for sure. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we did that that's one. That's right, college. <laughs> Jordan and I went to college together. Yeah. Came in as freshmen. Can we unpack? What is Dirty Pop? Uh, all right, <laughs> is, is it yeah. called Pop? It's called Pop. Pop. By NSYNC. Yeah. Okay, but it's not Dirty, Dirty. No. He says Dirty Pop, but it's called Pop. Yeah. It's not Dirty, it's... Pop. I just, I just don't want to have to bleep all of this. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Kids call it a banger. Pop man. by like, sync. Yeah, gotcha. It's, it's right. good stuff. Try and sit still. I dare you. Okay. <laughs> uh, favorite pet name that your husband calls you that you would rather not admit to us? Oh, nothing. I don't like any of his pet names. Just, uh, nothing I could say on here. Okay. Oh. Wow. wow. Okay, I'll there's... come back to that one. Then. Off pot. Off pot. <laughs> We're going to do just that. Just sniff that one out. All right. <laughs> How do you treat yourself or treat yourself? Treat yourself. Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> like, that is a big question for a four. Okay. Um, I really like being outside. I like being, I love looking for um, sun flares through trees. That's mm-hmm. like a thing that I love. Wow. It's very Terrence Malicky. Like a it's true a, photographer over here. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm. that's a different, stories for different days. But also watching movies is my favorite thing ever. Uh, that was going to be mine. Mm. Favorite movie right now, because I know you well mm. enough to know that you add to that list quite often. Tree of Life is my favorite. Okay. Um, Goodwill Hunting is the most normal favorite that I have. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, describe your teenage self in three words. Oh. Does that one count? That counts. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm, feeling... Of all the things, and um, <laughs> just hot mess, like it just, it just <laughs> hyphenated. I, just, yeah. I love that sweet girl, and I wish I could have been there for her when she was just going through so much. <sighs> uh, favorite restaurant? You people are gonna hand you a, a gift card. You can go to whatever restaurant you want. It's so boring. Where would you go? I'm always at chains. It's always like Chick Fil A. No kidding, like Zio's. 
uh, it's like the most, I'm the most lame when it comes to food. I like to stay <laughs> in my, something with queso. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, that all okay. works. I don't know. All right, last one. Uh, the funniest character in The Office. Oh. How do you, how do you, oh man. I love Dwight and I love Michael for oh, different reasons. So They're my favorites. My Mine's Kevin. Kevin, Kevin. Loki is probably the funniest character in The Office to me. He's so him, lovable. Him spelling the chili will forever make me laugh. Every See, time. that makes me cry. So that's interesting. Oh, that's we should talk it about that. It is interesting. <laughs> we can do so much with the Enneagram <laughs> and the characters. Because I would have said, like, uh, oh, sweet Kevin. Jim. I would have said Jim. Jim. See, I, I think Jim's what. a 9 8 so that's oh, interesting. That might make some sense. Future pods, we will break down the office, all of the characters and their types. You betcha. And their wings. Will you come back and do <laughs> seriously? Because that would be so much fun. Yeah. To do. I can't watch shows. a movie or a show without trying to type everybody. Like I cannot do it. Are there any movies right now that do it well? <sighs> oh, I have a list in my phone. I'm sure. Or, um, do you have any favorite fours? Okay, characters, there's characters. 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 Um. I have to think about this. There's a movie called The Edge of Seventeen with mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld yeah. that I like the whole time my husband just looked at me and just pointed, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And it wasn't ever at nice moments in the film. It was like, that's you. And I'm like, oh mercy it is. Um Yeah, there's there's a lot I I would have to get my list out, but there's a bunch. But that's the first one that comes to mind. Well I think that's a I think that's a, a good reason to just have you back on. Well, sure. you know, it'd be Why fun not? is to to do the office thing, right? Yeah. Right. But I think it'd be fun to have Herschel in on that one too, because then you sort of get this double layer of yes. entertainment of watching those he, two well, interact. The, he would be silent maybe the whole time. Like <laughs> he might add things occasionally, but that's one of the. Re- oh my gosh! If you watch Parks and Rec, my husband is Ron Swanson. Oh, like, he oh is him. that's good. He's such a five. That's good. It's hilarious. That would be good. <laughs> Does he hate the government too? No, he's. Okay. It's not not policy, but not, with like I don't want to talk to you. Keep me in my office. <laughs> I know more than you. Strong mustache. <laughs> no, not quite. He's trying, but <laughs> I'm like, shave that he thing. He will have. He will have. <laughs> It'll work. Jordan, you're the best, and I can't think of anybody I'd rather have uh, teach us about this Enneagram. You're, you're just a delight. Mm. And I know that sounds like a 51-year-old man. Old, old John. That's an I old said. word there, isn't it? But yeah. you're just, it's always, the room's always better when you come in the yeah, room. So, so sweet. So thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for for. Loving your church and doing all of that. And thanks for taking my calls when I say, what can I do with this beast that I found in me? Uh, Hey, I answer because I'm like, I have one of those. So, you know, we all do. So thank you for being here very much. And we will. We'll have you back. That wraps it up. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. See you next time. This has been another episode of Unafraid. As always, we'd love to hear from you regarding future topics and questions that we might try and tackle. The best way to get a hold of us is by emailing info at okcfirst.com. Also, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. Your feedback and support is crucial to this podcast, and we can't thank you enough. And remember, no matter who you are, you are loved. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time.